Good evening and welcome to the Value Through Vulnerability podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. This evening I had a fantastic conversation with Piers Thurston from Making Change Work, a really innovative and I would say challenging um, approach to the way that we look at self-awareness, vulnerability and other aspects of what I see as future ways of working around interpersonal and human development. He's been working in this area for some time but brings a, a real depth and breadth um, to the human condition that I've not experienced in qu- quite some time, to be completely honest. And the talk in total is around 59 minutes, um, including this. Well, in addition to that will be this slight intro and also a, wrap up, a couple of minutes to wrap up. But I've, I fully commend that anybody just give this the time because it's a very, very different type of conversation, quite different to anything else that's on the Value Through Vulnerability podcast to date. However, at the same time, exceptionally complimentary. So... Please do have a look. Um, please bear with us in terms of the sound quality from my side. I had an absolute disaster of a morning, um, so my self-care was out the window when my laptop literally decided to freeze and die. But gratefully this afternoon, my IT team were fantastic, and I was able to um, get online to uh, to record this particular podcast. So episode number three, Piers Thurston from Making Change Work, and I would really appreciate, as I'm sure the peers would also, some, some feedback as to what you think. Take care for now. Bye-bye. So good evening to any listeners. Uh, Welcome to the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. Uh, In addition, we have an exciting um, video chat this evening as well between myself, Gary Turner, and Piers Thurston. Um, Good evening, Piers. Good evening, Gary. Pleasure to be here. Great. Thanks for coming along. So just to get started, would you mind giving a brief introduction to yourself and also uh, the work that you do and uh, the organisation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I work with a business called Making Change Work. Um, and just a little nutshell on myself. So I've been in the um, coaching, uh, change and personal and professional development space for 18 years now. Um, So I've I've coached for many different types of people for many, many, uh, many years and have a lot of experience in that area. And for the first sort of 10 years of my career, um, I used to work with people in organizations through um, what I would call sort of conventional coaching, um, positive psychology, um, using approaches like neurolinguistic programming, you know, which is called NLP, um, things like systems thinking, appreciative inquiry, um, serious play, um, hypnosis, lots and lots of different tools and techniques that I, that I built up over those first 10 years. Um, and then about eight years ago, I, I came across something quite different, um, which although it looked similar to start with, um, turned out to be a very different way of um, understanding how the mind worked. And that impacted me personally quite a lot. And as a result of that, I couldn't really do the work I was doing in the same way um, because it didn't make sense to me any work any, anymore. So I then started to change how I work with my clients. And um, for the last sort of six, seven years, I've been using this, this, this different approach, which is not in the mainstream yet. Um, it's getting there. Um, but the results have been absolutely um, transformative and game-changing. Um, and now I'm just really enjoying 
helping businesses um, and people see that. Wow, fantastic. So obviously part of this um, sort of chat we're going to have, you know, I've got a couple of themes around sort of vulnerability, self-awareness, sort of inclusion. But what I'm hearing immediately is maybe those sort of terminologies might not sit well with peers. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to sort of uh, explore a little bit more about what you've learned, you know, what your approach is, because those are the sort of themes that generally we cover. But I'm interested to find out what your, what your take would be around self-awareness as a concept. Is that something you believe in? Is it something that you come across and value? Or Well, certainly I, I, I'm... I uh, come across it because, you know, of, of the industry sector and work I do and a big, you know, for the first few years of my sort of journey into this personally and professionally was all about self-awareness. Okay. Um, and it, it was, it was a, you know, a, a real focus um, from my trainings and my coaches and everything and, and, and vulnerability and what that could do for you. Um, but you're right, Gary, it does look different to me now. The, that's not where I look to enable my clients to get value and to see the world differently and to have different levels of resourcefulness and well-being. Um, I used to think that, um, but I don't anymore. And, and the reason why is because I see the role of self as different to what I used to. So I used to think a lot of it was about exploring who we are and the, and the more we know who we are, you know, in terms of our values, our beliefs, what made us what we are, our scripts, our narratives, um, the more we got clear on that and, if you like, accepted that, mm -hmm. the more free we could be. So that, that's what I kind of used to think. Um, and, and I would do a lot of my work around changing limiting beliefs, people getting clear on their values. Um, getting rid of the past, you know, lots of tools and techniques, timeline therapy, whatever, to get rid of the past. Not, not get rid of, but to reframe it so they could accept it. Mm -hmm. And because I now don't see the self as, a, as an entity that has a causal power on us like I used to, I don't bother working there anymore. I go more upstream than that. I don't really look at who we are as people. I look at almost what we are. And from that understanding, the who we are piece, you know, who, who I am, Piers, who you are, Gary, actually seems a lot less relevant and a lot less necessary to deal with in order to get to uh, a deeper appreciation of life and more resourcefulness and well-being. Wow. Okay. Well, that's an interesting start for me. <laughs> so, I, so I spent the last, uh, we've we, we had some chats before about sort of my dealing with my fears, my vulnerabilities, the last sort of 12 months in particular. And I've got to say, my head is very firmly stuck where you were, which is really yeah. interesting. So I'm really interested to explore that in a little bit more detail. So this, you mentioned about what we are rather than who we are. Can you explain that a bit more? What, you know, how do you help people yeah. get to sort of what they are? Yeah, and, and I mean, I think whether we use the word who or what doesn't really matter. It's just what we mean by who or what, right? So it, there's a lot of this that can get very caught up in the words. Um, um, and, and we do the best we can with words, but it's really important that we know what we're pointing to rather than get the right word or the wrong word. Um, so, but I, so, so I tend to use words to make distinctions, okay. right? To point people to see, ah, 
that's you know he's saying what rather than who well why is he saying that it's not that i have a i have an issue with the word who it's just when i'm when i'm saying the word who i'm pointing to something quite different to a lot of people but let me see if i can explain it so um the focus for me now is helping people explore for themselves and have realizations and that's a really important point i'll come back to but but not an intellectual understanding but a realized embodied understanding of the principles of the mind for any single human being regardless to who they are how old they are their their race their gender their intelligence their personality their upbringing their background their environment their dna right it's absolutely at a principle level right so it's nothing to do with self at one it's pre-self right it's upstream to that just like when i say principles i mean you know gravity i think we'd all say we share the implications of right so there's none of us immune to gravity i i let's assume we're not in a spaceship and off the planet right but <laughs> um, you know it, it's something that all of us have the effect of or at the effect of and actually whether we know about gravity or not intellectually we're still subject to its implications yeah understood right, right? so However, learning about gravity at school, you know, whereas it didn't make us stop floating to school, right, um, and stop dropping things out of our hands, but we did go, oh, that's why that happens. And actually learning about gravity helped man know how to fly, helped mankind learn how to fly because they understand the principles. So I, I'm pointing to these principles that are upstream to, to who we are as self and are pointing to how, the, how any human being creates its experience right how we thought consciousness um combine to create our experience in any moment and that experience that we create uh, our what's in our mind's eye and our felt sense of the world includes our sense of self yeah okay i'm with you right so our sense of self is not something that sits upstream with, with, with what I would call consciousness and thought. It, it, that's not where it sits, right? Our sense of self and our identity, is our egoic self, our personal thinking, is a creation of that, right? So, I, so, I, so the line has moved up or down or back, whatever spatial metaphor you want to use, right, to, to the leverage point that I work with someone at. Wow. Because, sorry, carry on. You know, no, no, it's just interesting because there's, there's almost, um, to some extent, you know, whether someone's religious or not, there seems to be an almost spiritual element. Well, sort of, I, no, I'm not saying that you're preaching that per se, but there seems to be this more instinctive sort of angle to this that you're, you're referring to. Yeah, it, it is, it is, it is, um, it is spiritual. Um, I don't always say that up front because some people turn it off, right? And I, I work with businesses, so it, 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 they, yeah. they tend to be on the lookout for <laughs> spiritual gurus to come and talk to them, right? Yeah. Um, but whether we like it or not, <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me now that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So to ignore that side of us, and um, we need to define what we mean by spiritual, uh -huh. really is missing the biggest leverage point 
than we that we you know that we've got. So I, when I first got into this sort of uh, the world of personal development change, you know, 18, 19 years ago, I looked at the spiritual side of things, right? Because something appealed to me in it, but I just couldn't see how it was useful. I couldn't reconcile it with the business person that I was. And, you know, it, it, I, I thought, well, that's nice, but how does it help me day to day? I couldn't see it, right? It took too fluffy and woo woo. Right. <laughs> so, so I went back into kind of the psychological side of it and doing all those tools and techniques and positive psychology. And that's where I focus my energies, right? Because spiritual is too woo woo. Yeah. And, and wasn't fit for the rat race that we needed to be good at. Right. Now what happened to me sort of, you know, uh, wherever it was, you know, eight, nine years ago was I, I, I woke up to, Oh, no, no, no. Now I get how that bit fits in. So I, the, what I do with my clients now is I almost help them understand um, how the spiritual nature of us interfaces with our psychology and turns up day to day. That's, that's really interesting. Do, do you mind me asking, Peter? You don't have to answer the question. What, what was that pivot point for you a few years ago? Was there something that happened? Was it a life experience? Was it a work experience? If you're able to, to share yeah. that. Um, I mean, yeah, I would share anything I had, but um, no, I didn't have, some people have what you would call, uh, I call a whoosh experience where blah, 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 road to Damascus experience, you know, yeah. where they have a big kind of, oh, wow. And, 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 and you know, the clouds move kind of thing. That's, <laughs> and, my bit, that's my bit 12 months ago with a fear, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I'd call a realization of a grand nature. Right. And, and it comes through and it's like, bang. Right now, what I've sort of had, and probably most people I work with have, is more a random sequence of what I call drip, drip, drip insights and realizations about this. Now, some of them, when I look back, have been quite earth-shatteringly different. What you know, when I see what they've made me see, but in the moment they didn't kind of floor me, but. When I look back, I go, oh, my God, I see things differently now. So it's sort of crept up on me okay. right, in, a, in a, what I call drip, 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 rather than a big whoosh. But there are people who I've worked with who will have a big kind of wowzers, mm. you know, and, and it kind of is, is, is a, what I call the whoosh versus the drip, drip. Um, but and often they can look like they were triggered by an event or a circumstance. Right. So some people will describe, well, I had this life-defining moment when, you know, um, some of them were closer than passed away or they were, they were ill or whatever. I didn't really have that. Um, it, not really. I mean, I had a few things going on in my life. My, my brother passed away and stuff, but I, I wouldn't really say I had a kind of finger-clicking moment. Um, and, and I quite like that because... Otherwise, people think it's not ordinary what we're talking about. Interesting, yeah. And what we're talking about is so ordinary. I mean, it's magically special, but it's incredibly ordinary. And what I mean by ordinary is every single one of us has this capacity and gift to, to see this, right? And actually, already has. But you were probably about one years old, so you don't remember, right? So... <laughs> so so you've already got this inside and what what i do is in my job is just point you back to see that 
That's, that's really powerful. So how do you, because I'm, I'm really intrigued by this, and I actually really like the, con- I really like the concept. How do you then actually get over that mental block of so many people, particularly in you know, big corporate life today, of, yeah, is this soft? Is it woo-woo? Is it fluffy? You know, what do you do as peers to try and hook into those, those people, those leaders, those, those individuals that naturally in the world have been brought up in the sort of, <laughs> you know, the, the, the sort of cogs, the machine mentality that's happened the last hundred years? How do you switch people into actually being that free in that, in the, in that thinking, peers? Well, I think, I think there's two bits to that um, that just occurred to me as we're speaking now, Gary. And, and, and one is an external thing in that I, I, I kind of have a, a sense to point people to connect the tangible results of something to something invisible, which I didn't use. To, so I, I ha, I, I'm doing a lot of dot joining. Right. Okay. Can you see that? That's coming from there you know, the, 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 a bit you didn't see because you were, they were attributing it to came from somewhere else, right? Okay. So let me give you an example. Um, let's say I'm working with a, with a leadership team and um, they're trying to come up with a new strategy to do something or solve a problem or whatever, right? Um, and they will say, they will sometimes, you know, we just go around in circles on this and there's a bit of blame going on and we're all pointing at each other and so-and-so doesn't really want to have an open mind and I'm trying to influence them. It's not going anywhere. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Or, you know, all the market's too tough for us to do this. There's too much ambiguity going on. Right. And then you go, oh, okay, right. So that looks like all those external factors and you just list them up. Now, what I then point them to see is after they understood how their mind works is how that can look so different, right? And they can start to have insights around what they weren't seeing before and how then they can create something individually or in the room collectively, which just redefines what they were thinking of, right? And they see something fresh. And it comes from understanding, it comes from synthesis, it comes from not having the invisible lids, by truly listening, by not buying into all the, the uncertainty and the fear of that. They just get to a new space, right? And bang, 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 and then they've got resourcefulness. Now, what I then do is go, hang on a minute, rather than just going, wasn't that a lovely uh, workshop we had and I'm glad we got to that space, right? I'm going, do you realize there's something very predictable to rely on that can help you get there? That wasn't fluke. Okay. Right. I, I then join the dots to say, well, your mind is capable of doing that. All your minds are capable of doing that if you know how to use them. So going back to gravity and flight, let's say someone did in the old days make a, make a plane and it kind of worked, right? They ran down the hill, flapped their wings, and they were going, way, right? I would go, well, hang on. Have you, are you understanding how lift and drag work? Because if you understand that, non-intellectually, you'll know how to make a plane every time. And that wasn't luck, right? So, so I'm, do, I'm doing two things. So the one thing I'm doing is pointing them to see how what they thought was just sort of slightly random or to do with a load of external factors is actually to do with their mind. And I'm rejoining the dots so they know what variable to focus on, which is the, their mind is the variable rather than all the other sort of superstitious things they were pointing to, right? Um, and then the second thing is, I think, or the first thing, there's no order in these, is that... I now seem to have from my grounding just a complete certainty that there's something 
to look at and this area that people don't look at and I'm just annoyingly pedantic and semantic and pointing at, no, you're looking in the wrong, you know, so I'm just pointing upstream, right, all the time because I see the value in getting, uh, of having an inquiry and a curiosity and awareness to something, to this stuff. And I think, I think it's partly because of my own certainty in that, that people go, well, he seems to be really convinced that's a good idea, so they go with it, right? <laughs> so, whereas in the past, I may have just given up, but I, I, I don't go anywhere else with them. I, I don't, so I'll give you another metaphor for this. So, when I was first getting into this a few years ago, um, when they weren't quite seeing the invisible nature of this, I would chuck some of my old stuff in. Okay. Right, or a tool or a technique or a bit of downstream. And that's like when someone's learning to swim, chucking in a piece of a floaty or something, right? And they grab onto that. And, and now I don't really do that, not because I'm trying to be difficult or annoying, it's just because I, 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 I want them to see what's really going on. That's really fast. So what, what's got in the way, would you say? So the people that come to you are clearly to some extent, I'm trying to sort of guess now, are people coming to you because they've been aware of what peers can help them see that they don't today? Is it word of mouth that people come to you? You know, I'm just really intrigued because it's, it's quite yeah. a big departure for someone to go from, like you say, from where I am with a sort of traditional self-awareness system to what you're talking about. And I really like what you're talking about. But I'm wondering, you know, what sort of barriers or challenges do you have to deal with to get people to really sort of look at what you're trying to show them? Well, I, I guess they might come from various places, but, but they might either have tried everything else and just like, well, whatever, this guy seems to be so different, so I'll try that. But, but I, think, I think, you know, hopefully people are coming from, um, you know, the recommendation and, and like, you know, well, this is different, you should check it out. But the other thing I, I, I hopefully can do um, is if people are a little bit curious, right? They're going, uh, I try and give them a little experience of it, right? So at the moment we're talking quite conceptually in a minute, maybe we'll, we'll do this, but it is so they can go, oh, okay. I sort of know what you're on about because I, I've, you've, so rather than try and sell this as a concept, you know, yeah. there's something yeah. different out there. It's about the mind. It's about being more spiritual, blah, blah, blah. Um, People need a, a little tiny resonance or a taste with this, right? Yeah. And, and when they do, they're like, oh, okay, I sort of see that. And, and, and now I'm curious to know more. Okay. So is there, any, is, is there anything sort of a, another sort of simple example you could give us? Or maybe because you can imagine there's the, there could be people listening to this chat that we're having peers sort of thinking, great, well, what's the ROI on that? Or the classic fear-based sort of challenges around a new idea or way of being, for example? Is there, is there some sort of examples of some, where someone was at X and they're now performing at Y or they learn, or they learn more about themselves such they've now moved to a different level of sort of performance or is there something without trying to put your results in a box? Is there some examples maybe you can share around sort of where someone yeah. was and where they now are sort of following the process? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's plenty actually i mean i think you know I, I work with individuals and i work with teams and i think you know the things i would hear from individuals are their ability to so at a, at a very practical level they can sort of get twice as much done in half as much time because 
their minds, the bandwidth they fill in their minds, the space they fill in their minds, um, gets them to clarity and action quicker. So they're not second guessing themselves, they're not procrastinating, they're not over worrying, they're able to synthesize, they're more present. Um, so what I mean by present is, is, that, is that when they're with someone else, they can just listen and just hear the nub, right? And then, you know, if you can hear the nub, you can hear behind the words and then you can, you can move forward with that person. So at, at a personal productivity level, they would find that. Um, they would find, um, and this is quite a big one, that they, they would find that their stress has gone down um, and their resilience has gone up. So that they they get less overwhelmed. I mean, most people are overloaded just because they have too much to do, but the overwhelm goes. Um, they they find uh, so I, so I had a client the other day yesterday, and he was saying, "Well, what you take you forty five minutes takes me five minutes." And then he went, "What can I do now?" Right? It's actually forty minutes, right? You know. So so then then we talk about clarity of, well, what do you want to do? Right? Where do you want to focus? And people can get a more obviousness of where they want to be and what they want to do. So they tend to drop doing some of the things that make less sense to them, um, which is useful. So they become more purposeful and probably more um, fulfilled because they're not doing some of the things they thought they had to. Right. Um, so, so and I think the other thing is, in case it sounds too kind of rosy, um, is this is not about positive psychology, which is making everything feel good, right? A, a lot of what will happen is that people can are just more okay with not feeling good, right? A, a, and you start to realize that you, whereas before you would have thought that your state of mind is a really important variable to your performance, actually you realize, well, sometimes I'm going to feel great and sometimes I'm not, but that doesn't seem to get anywhere anymore. That's, that, that's really powerful because, um, you know, I think I've mentioned to you in the past that I had my own mental health challenge a couple of years ago. Have you found that what you're, what you're sort of sharing is, it sounds to me that, that that resilience piece, certainly around the mental health potential resilience, it sounds like that could be quite a big win for some people. Oh, huge, you. huge. Because I don't really buy into mental illness. Mm. And, and that, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone who's suffering from what they would call mental illness. I just don't see it. Okay. Right, I do see it. I can understand it, but I don't buy into it as something that gets innocently gets all the stigma and the attachment to meaning that people have. Right, so I just see that as what the mind does sometimes when we layer up thought and we don't understand the true nature. Right, so people who are in let's take uh, addictive behaviour. Right, so whether that's drugs or gambling or eating or blah 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 blah. Right. People would get, you know, that's the problem. They've got to manage it. That's what society would say. That's a problem. You've got to manage it. Right. And they come up with coping strategies and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, great that you're trying to tackle it, but that's based on a, on a, on a misunderstanding, right? That's based on a misunderstanding of the mind because all of those behaviors are, the mind trying to cope with something, right, doing the best thing it can to get back to a resourceful state. Now, okay. when we feed that 
with more narrative and meaning and coping, we, we're pointing it away from something that we all have, which is that capacity and inbuilt sense of um, calm and okayness and clarity and resilience and resourcefulness, which, which we all inside us is our true nature, right? That, that's our spiritual home, but we all have that. Even if people only experience it for one microsecond a day, even, even, even a heroin addict, right? For, for, for one second a day, will have that sense of peace. Now, they spend all their other attention on the other time, right? But that, that's within us all. And that's what we're trying to get to, whether we're using drugs to get there, gambling to get there, addictive behavior to get there, mindfulness to get there, meditation to get there, um, running to get there, knitting to get there, um, green tea to get there. What, what, we're trying to get there. Now, now, babies don't try to get there. They just hang out there. I love that. No, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. That's really powerful, Pierce. That's, that's, that's really... So, so what, what's stopping... Like, what's layered up? Has it just been society? Has it just been generations of getting busy that's sort of taken us away from that space? You know, we've just not been taught how to... Has it been the education system, sort of? We've been taught as we go into sort of adult life that that's not how we can be anymore. Is there any sort of nuggets that you're sort of... that you can see that you think have sort of led us away from that place? Well... All of those things you just said, I would agree with. Um, all of those things, sort of, let's call them external things, I would agree with. Our education system, but the, the, <laughs> there is a more fundamental thing, which is at one level, the mind is meant to not see that as well, right? So, so the way I would describe it is the mind works as a projector, not as a camera, Yeah. right? Okay. So, so anything we experience, anything you experience in, your, in, in what you feel in your mind's eye comes from the creation of our mind, right? It goes from in to out, if you want to call it that, right? I don't mean brain here, I mean mind. It's a bit, the brain's just a, an organ, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it comes through us and we project that onto the world as if the world has done it to us, right? Understood, yeah. So we, we live life as if the world has a causal power. Yeah. Right? Now, that's a very compelling illusion. And at one level, we're meant to be in that illusion to one degree because it makes life richer. Yeah? So it, it, we, we, we are, there's part of the system which is designed not to catch this. Right? Because otherwise, we'd constantly be going, well, I'm just creating my experience. There's no richness in it because you'd know it was a kind of a, uh, you know, so being enlightened all the time would be a bit dull, right? Because, <laughs> <laughs> because you wouldn't get the richness of human experience. I mean, yeah. we are, we're sentient beings designed to experience stuff. That, that's the point of being on this planet from what I can see, you know, from my tiny little mind. But so, so we have an ebb and flow of this, spiritual energy coming into our mind that creates a psychological experience right it comes in and out and the game isn't to try and stop that ebb and flow or to manage it it's just to recognize how it works 
And when you recognize how it works, you realize it's quite often telling you to back off the psychological layering and, and, and restore back to the equilibrium, which is just the oneness and that space within us, right? But we're misunderstanding the intelligence of the system's messaging system, which is feeling. So, so, so feeling and, and, and sensation in the body is actually always telling us where we're at, but it's telling us where our minds are at. And we've been taught, this is where the education's gone wrong, that it's telling us what the outside world's up to. Yeah, okay. Right? So if you get anxious about something, right? So let's say you're feeling anxious about, what. let's say a common fear. A common fear might be speaking in front of 100 people at a conference, right? A lot of people go, oh my word, and they, they feel a palpitation in the chest, they feel a bit tight, they would have an internal dialogue. I mean, you might relate to this, Gary, I don't know. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, not so long ago, yeah, I'm with you on this. Right? So they have that fear, and people go, oh, poor you, you know, right? The fear of the speaking in public is, is creating that for you, and we would be taught that if that's a big feeling, then it's, it's pretty substantial, and yeah, you, you might want to kind of recognize that as something true right what i would say is okay well that those feelings in the body about that public speaking right are just feedback to you telling you your mind is in a narrow aperture right now and it's creating a lot of conditioned thinking about what that speaking could be so the information in the feeling isn't saying hey buy into your reality right now it's saying back off your reality right now that's that's really quite significant because yeah. I remember I did have a I did have a public speaking gig about well back in October last uh, last year actually it was only about yeah, I think it was about eighty or ninety people and I just remember the excruciating pain of sitting at the front of the room literally crossing my legs <laughs> and um, it's, it's really interesting you talk about that because it, it was a physical feeling it was yeah. totally a physically a physical feeling massively but yeah I'm, I'm trying to sort of process what you've just described though so. It, so in that example I just had, was that, that, so the feeling was, was true, but the sort of emotional side of it, was the feeling sort of driving that emotion to some extent then? Well, feeling and emotion to me are the same thing. I mean, okay. I mean they're just different names, right? So, so, so we, are, we are creatures that feel, yeah. right? We are what I call sentient. Yeah. Right? And, and some of that is what we call emotion, whatever, but, it, but we're visceral, it's palpable. You know, our, you, you, you can tell a human being's alive. You can tell the difference between a live one and a dead one. Right? So, so, so we're animated, right? We, we, are, we are felt. And in, in that example you're telling about, you're talking about, right? You had a load of, let's, let, let, you know, you, the system felt tight. The system felt not in its ease and its self-expression and its obviousness and its clarity, right? Um, and you weren't in flow, right? You're probably in your head, you're, uh, right? That's just giving you some information that your mind in that moment is, is in a very kind of myopic, narrow state, and it's, and it's probably seeing its experience from what I would call the hard drive, from, from our conditioned thinking, and buying into it, and layering it up, right? Now, that's just thought, right? That's nothing wrong with thought, thought, feeling, it's natural, it's normal, it comes in and out, right? But it comes in and out in flow, right? Now, when we really buy into reality, we kind of constrict that, it appears we constrict that flow, right? So we get really stuck in it. 
Now, little kiddies are beautiful examples of flow. They can't stay stuck in one, one emotional feeling state for very long at all. Yeah, yeah. They go in and out all the time. This, this, this is really big for me, and I'll tell you for why. That same talk I'm referencing, Piers, like the initial bit was horrible, but in the talk, it was a 20-minute talk, and I was in complete and utter flow to the point I can't oh. remember half of what I said. So I went from that complete, <laughs> completely entwined, sort of clumped up state, to literally, it was, a, it was a topic I was so passionate about around education and trying to improve education. This sort of, literally, I barely remember a word I spoke for that 20 minutes. Right. So, which is really, so I'm really trying to process what you're describing now. So I literally went from the one extreme to the other almost to some extent around what you're describing in that same talk. But brilliant example. Brilliant example of how, how the mind through thought ebbs and flows and goes from one to the other right, very quickly, right? It can be, yeah? And, and when you're in it, you're in it either side, yeah? Now, once we, so that's going to happen, right? So we're not trying to stop that happening necessarily, right? Going, oh, let's stop the negative one and have more of the positive one. Of course, you know, in, in some situations, we'd prefer that. But we're just noticing. But there's something about people having a realization of how the mind works that allows that flow to happen more, right? And that comes through understanding and realizing, not through manipulation, strategizing, tool and technique, all that kind of stuff, which is what I used to do, right? So in the old days, if you'd come to me 10 years ago, I would have given you a whole host of NLP techniques, anchoring, maybe some hypno, to get you in a powerful state for that talk. Right. I would have, given, I would have equipped you psychologically with all the, all the armory I had to help you. And if you'd used enough willpower and psychological now, so you may have got there, mm -hmm. right? Now I just say to you, hey, you're going to feel something during that. Just notice what it is, it's transient and it will move. It doesn't matter. I, I would say a bit more than that, but that's that's because <laughs> that's, that's really helpful. But, but I would point you back, back to the principles that we would have discussed and you would have realised before, and say, "Hey, sit, notice it, right?" I wouldn't be trying to bung up your mind with managing something that is actually at one level unmanageable. You know, because the power of or of what creates our experience and thought is more powerful than our conceptual mind, right? Mm. So, so well, what I mean is, there's not a single human being I know who is so blimming good at NLP or whatever, or, or mind strategies, or quietening the chimp, that they can do it consistently all the time. No one. Reason being is, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> 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 that's why it was pretty obvious right so instead of trying to manage the system with an incorrect understanding of it understand how it works. i mean and that you know so i suppose that the metaphor would be you know in the old days when someone had made some wings out of feathers and they and they and they were flapping up and down and the other person said well just do it faster right you'll take off soon and they, i'm not going just do it more it, it, you know so understand the principles of how the system works then see it i tell you at this juncture like, i can't believe we've been speaking for nearly 35 minutes i'm loving this chat wow. it's, it's incredible can you at this juncture i think because you, you've you shared a lot at the moment i think some people i'm sure a lot will stay on because it's a great chat but at this stage you want to share a little bit about 
where people can reach you, maybe sort of social media, name of the company, website, you know, what sort of courses are you running? Is there any open courses, closed courses? Just give a, a couple of minutes around you yeah. and how people can access you just at this juncture and we'll carry on. And we might need a part two, Gary, I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> I would love it because to be honest, there's so much in this and I think... Yeah, it, it is. And I get caught up talking without thinking of the consequences. So, um, well, well, yes, I mean, I, I have a, um, a website called Making Change Work. Um, and if you go on there, there's something called Quality of Mind, which is how I package this to talk to organisations. And on there, there's a few more things about quality of mind um, that you can look at um, and little presentations and things. Also, I post a lot on LinkedIn. Okay. So I, I, there's probably 30, 40 articles, 40, 50 posts on, 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 um, on LinkedIn about it. Um, right. But the other thing I would say, I'm very happy to have a conversation, a, a phone call, a few emails of people if, if they're genuinely interested in this because um, it's, it's, obviously you can tell it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, and, but, but the, as you can probably tell from my ramblings, the last 35 minutes, it's something that is best experienced and realized and mm -hmm. the way I do that, I found the best format to do that. Um, although the odd person can have the whoosh to, to help the drip drip is, you know, I, I do an open program, um, uh, which is a, is a sort of a, a small group of business people and we get together and, and we explore this. And um, very lucky to say I get wonderful feedback from that, which you can read about on the website as well. So um, yeah. that, that's, that's another thing. We've got one coming up in July, um, you know, and it, and it can be a complete game changer. Fantastic. Well, just out of interest, what dates are you? I think you mentioned earlier in the chat that it's a three day. Is that three consecutive yeah. days, Piers? Or? Uh, it, it's three consecutive days because, and there's a real value in the three days because the mind slows down over the three days to kind of hear the simplicity of this. Um, because otherwise you just get it intellectually and it's kind of like, uh, so what? Um, so it's the second to the fourth of July. Um, and... Um, yeah, if you want to know more about that, it's probably best to have a chat. Um, or I can put them in contact with people who have been to it um, so you get it in the horse's mouth sort of thing. Oh, that's absolutely awesome. Like I say, I don't want to cut you short at all. You know, I'm happy we carry on talking, Piers, to be honest. But I'm just, just wanting to make sure there's a little bit of a, a sort of break for people that may want to sort of dip in and maybe come back in. Because, yeah, it's, it's really challenging me because in, in my head, I'm sort of thinking about this self-awareness. I said vulnerability. Those are real things for me because I know for sure that I've learned a lot let's say those as concepts have helped me move from my more fear-based state to a more of a freedom-based state. And I do believe that those anchors have helped me, but they'll be really interested. And I'm really interested actually to attend the, to attend the three days. because I'm really interested, you know, why is that? What, what does that really mean? If I was able yeah. to access that, that true, more spiritual back to my childhood self, how would I see those anchors of vulnerability, self-awareness? Would they, would I still view in the same way? You know what I mean? I was saying, I think well, that, yeah, I, I, do, I do know what you mean. And I think it's a really interesting inquiry because and I think there's a lot of things now that I kind of see as what I would call observably accurate. Okay. You know, that if people have self-awareness and they're more vulnerable, they might be in a better quality of mind. I, I kind of see the correlation. Okay. But it's not the cause. So almost vulnerability is a symptom of having this understanding we're talking about. 
and vulnerability, you know, when people will say, well, do you need trust? You need vulnerability, you know, but I think, well, there's something actually upstream to both of those that creates those. And those two are symptoms. They're lovely symptoms, right? And, and, and they're great things to pay attention to. Um, and they can be massively helpful. And that's genuine for people. So, you know, you, you're, you're Gary, you're not pretending that this is being useful for you, the vulnerability piece, right? It's been, it's been, you know, you're speaking from what you see. So really what this understanding would do, and it's a little bit to what you said, is you'll, you'll be able to, I guess, join the pieces and go, oh, I sort of see that now a bit more. So the way I sort of describe how I look at my old work in the light of my new work is I realize what I was up to. I realized how it could be useful, but also I realize how I don't really need it anymore because what I was doing was kind of um, accidentally using parts of what I'm talking about now, but not quite understanding it, right? Um, so I think you probably would get a different perspective, um, but that's not to take away from anything that, um, anything that anyone finds useful, I'm like, use it, right? But I'm saying also get curious about what the invisible part of that that you can't see that was driving it. So to some extent, would it be fair to say, and again, I'm just trying to get, get my full gra grapple on this because I find it so fascinating, yeah. is to some extent then self-awareness self and vulnerability as concepts are almost tools of having a better state of mind. Is that to some extent what you're saying? Well, they, they are, I wouldn't call them tools. I would call that's them... Bad words again. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's okay. I would say they're results of... Okay. okay. So, so, so what, what it's, it's so funny, right? So when I work with clients, right, we'll, we'll talk about stuff quite upstream. We'll talk about some principles of the mind and we won't really get into any particular content about anyone's particular behaviors or their attributes. And, and they're often say, Oh, I had, you know, so they'll go away for lunch break and reflect and they'll come out and say, Oh, I've had, I've had a little insight while I was away and they'll come out with something about their own self-awareness of uh, how sometimes they are maybe a little bit too judgmental of their children or some, whatever it is, right? Now, we haven't talked at all about parenting, children, being judgmental or anything like that. We've been talking upstream about these principles. But what happens is that the trickle-down effect of that is you start to, you, you prime the system the learnt system, the, the, the learnt self, which we have, right? So we've got the spiritual side, we've got this conditioned self. We've, we're both. We're a, para, we're a paralogical paradox of spiritual and human at the same time, right? So almost by reactivating, not that it ever deactivated, the, the spiritual understanding part of us, it, it sort of intelligently informs the conditioned self to realise and drop thinking and a drop and drop and dissolve egoic conditioning it had. And people will have these insights like, oh, I've just realized I can be really judgmental around my kids. Huh. <laughs> it kind of occurs to them as it drops. Okay. Right? Now, because that happens, traditional psychologists thought, ah, oh, that's what we need. We need more people to have dropping of their thinking around their, their judgmentalness. And they've kind of tried to reverse engineering right they tried to reverse engineer something right traditional therapy and and, and psych, psychology um rather than see what was upstream to it so, so, so it's something if i may ask a sort of bulk so do you see so something like the positive psychology movements or sean Aker, these sort of guys do you, 
do you see something in what they are doing as a sort of a method as a, as a, as a topic area or do you think it's just or not per se is it just sort of one of a number of themes that have just been reverse engineered over the years yeah I mean I used to be one I used to be a massive you know uh positive psychology kind of advocate and um and it, it appeals to people because it it creates a very tangible result it often in, requires a do people love a do because you can control a do right um and, it, and it's kind of shiny happy positive mm -hmm. right i actually think it's quite unhelpful okay as a you know in moments it can be very useful for someone but it's pointing the wrong direction so it's perpetuating the idea that you need to do something to manage your state and psychology okay. it's also perpetuating the myth that not feeling positive isn't as good as feeling positive. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Made up, right? Um, and it, because you know, and, and a lot of people are using it, not always, but they're using it to manage the outside world as if the outside world had causal power, events and circumstances. So because because life can get you, and you need to have the right life. You need to have the right thoughts to cope with the with life. Yeah, okay. well, no, that's that's backwards, right? So it perpetuates the outside in myth, and and people become what I would call empowered outside inners, where they're like, really, I'm not a victim. I manage my life. I'm this. I'm that. I'm I'm positive. Well, that's hard work. That's rowing, not sailing. <laughs> I'm a rower. My God, am I a rower? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem with rowing, I mean, we can use it, you know, we have rowing or, or, or sailing available. Rowing's hard work and we tend to overburden the system a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's an, e I used to be a rower, right? You know, um, but I, I don't see the value in it anymore. I, occasionally we can flick into that, you know, we feel the wind's not quick enough, but ultimately the, the sailing's going to be better. Such a nice analogy. That is such a nice. No, I'm to, I'm genuinely totally with you on this this concept. I don't mean to be concept. So I'm not trying yeah. to get what you're doing as a badge, but in terms of for me to digest and sort of take it on board, I, I love that analogy. Sums it up beautifully for me. I'm totally with you. So yeah. rowing, that's nice. Really, really nice. So you said the second to the fourth of July is the, yes. the next open course. And yes. Do you have any spaces left? I, I have got a few spaces. I mean, we do we do limit it because um, we try to make it quite. Uh, interactive and intimate in that there's not lots of people so you're not like in a big audience you, you know probably have 10 12 people where you can really ask questions you get one-to-one -one coaching during it as well so okay. as well as the group stuff you get some one-to-one -one, um, which really accelerates it so it's it's a um, it's an immersive experience and um, uh, and so it's quite hand handmade if you mean, yeah. you know I mean it's not like you're just one of 40 people who we're going to blabber at um <laughs> <laughs> there'll be a hell of a state of mind after that <laughs> yeah so it's you know and and it, for, for many people it really does open their eyes to something so um it's uh, but i would not take my word for it <laughs> read the other people's feedback it might be more uh, more neutral than, than my bias well, it's, it's really interesting, actually. I think maybe one of the, th the things I'd like to touch on, if I may, with you before, before we mm. sort of maybe wrap up is that word you just mentioned, bias. How, how, mm. does, that, how does that support? How does the, this improved state of mind improve potentially? And I'm just sort of second guessing 
the sort of bias as a concept with the, you know, some people that become more enlightened, more, I don't want to use the aware, I don't want to use the wrong words, but ultimately those people that get a better state of mind, does that impact positively the level of bias that people have? Yeah, yeah I, think you, I think what happens is um, you spot it more. Yeah, okay. Right, so I had this phrase I, I talk about called invisible lids. Right, so, so invisible lid is my, my sort of made up phrase that, that when we can't see that something is made of our own creation, right? So, so everything is made of our own mind, thought, consciousness combination, right? So, but we can't see it as that. So a, a good example of that, which is a little bit different to Bars, but I'll come to Bars now, is, is you know there's been going around on the internet a while ago, there was that dress that could be blue or gold, yeah, yeah. Now there's the Lani and Yorl. Uh, what's it called? Um, the, the audio one. I don't know if you've seen that, where you either hear something as Laurel or Yanni. Oh, and I've seen some stuff going on on Twitter about that. Right, okay. Yeah. So they're the same. So basically, some people see it as a gold dress. Some people see it as a blue dress. Some people hear one, one, one name, one person, the other, right? And, and people go, well, no, it is that. Right? No, 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 it is. What do you mean it's a blue dress? No, it's a gold dress. <laughs> okay you've got a different photo right and then you know when people go you're standing next to someone who sees it differently and you go are you sure it's blue right you know yes so that's what i call invisible lid right is that you can't see how your thought has made it up now when you can right you you go oh so what what i show people is you're not going to stop being able to have invisible lids. You're not going to stop having them. You're going to create them all the time because you have a conditioned mind and it will do that. But just spot that you can. And, and the knowing that you're capable of doing that keeps an openness in you. So it's the same with bias, right? If I know that the human mind, particularly when I'm in a low quality of mind, has a tendency to bias, that gives me the edge because I can kind of know I can so my feelings are always feeding back to me as to my quality of mind I'm in so if I'm feeling a bit icky about something I'm probably also in bias right so I'm not really going to act too seriously on my creation of that moment of reality because I kind of know it's probably biased right now sometimes that doesn't matter right but sometimes it might so if I'm getting angry with someone and I'm feeling angry and annoyed and frustrated with them, that's the feedback of my system saying, so I'm probably seeing quite a myopic view of that person. So I know my bias is kicking in. So therefore, if I know that, although I can't even stop it, I can know not to take it too seriously. But I guess also powerfully, by actually that improved state of mind, you can actually do something about them if there may be more potentially destructive biases that you have yeah so actually by actually that that knowledge that you then have through that improved state of mind can actually help you do something about it well this comes back to the other part which we we're saying earlier is that you you find your egoic mind your conditioned mind starts to dissolve quicker so loads of biases that i used to have i don't have anymore okay i've still got some right but i know for a fact that loads i used to have i don't have Right. So I can tell that in my political views, in my views on society, uh, all sorts of things. I, I just don't have that in there anymore. So I have less. I still have some. 
and I'm probably creating new ones, you know, as well. But but my tendency to create them and hold them as relevant or true is dropped. That's really interesting. I'm doing quite a lot. Um, be interesting for you potentially to connect with. I don't know if you know Joe Candola or not. So she's she's got a PhD in gender bias, and so she's doing an awful lot of work around bias in the workplace. And I think it could be interesting to connect you two guys just from a, a sort of standpoint point of view, just to see. So sort of yeah. see if there's some sort of knowledge sharing to be done there. Cause I think that's yeah. really, really interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, and, and I'm always, you know, I, I love talking to other people about this stuff, um, you know, and seeing how it fits or doesn't fit. I mean, I think, you know, that there's a, there's a body of people I work with who uh, retail week that they're, they're called being inspired. They're trying to stop um, the glass ceiling and retail for women. Right. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of invisible, what I call invisible bias. There's some we're aware of. There's a lot of invisible bias. Now, you, you can't manage yourself out of that because you don't know you've got it, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Someone might point it out to you, but unless you realize that, it, that's just annoying to have it pointed out to you, right? So yeah. this comes back to the, I mentioned this earlier about realization, that the, the real key to human evolution and change, and any change actually, minor or massive, has to come by realization for people. Like what I call behind the eye change. If people don't have a realized embodied shifting of their mind's eye, you're kind of playing at the edges. So a lot of the work I do happens to be about the innate capacity we all have to have realization. Now, what you've been experiencing in the, in the last few years and months as you've been on your sort of journey is realizations. Yeah, yeah. Right, behind the eye shift where something's dropped and you see something new. Now, the more we understand about the functioning of the mind and, the, and, and our nature around realizations, the more likely we are to have realization. Like, that's really interesting. I, I can actually back that up because I think I, I could say until the age of 40, I didn't really feel I had anything major in terms of realizations. And I've had probably four or five in the last 12 months. So that totally rings true for me, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to be having them because the system can't stop, but you were kind of putting the handbrake on them accidentally. Yeah, and maybe that conscious mind part or whatever barriers, well, the fears, the fears are putting up the walls. Well, the conceptual right. mind, you know, can get a little bit strong or can appear to, you know, and that will stop realisation. So, yeah, it's, um, it, it's at one level incredibly fundamentally simple, um, but it's not always easy. <laughs> it's a fascinating topic and i say i've got to say you know i'm totally i totally with you on it i do understand it i think the first like i said the first sort of 10 15 minutes really is getting into the nub and trying to really again not trying to use the word conceptualize but just sort of accept what you're saying to some extent it's almost an acceptance that actually there is this other this other way yeah which is which is really powerful Right, I need to try and get in your course, Piers. I think you've sold it to me tonight, if nothing else. So, Well, that's great, Guy. Love to have a chat. And as I say, you know, if you want to do a part two or if people want to contact me, because um, I realise I've jammed a lot in rapidly. Um, but if anything resonated, um, you know, reach out to me, LinkedIn, Google me, Piers Thurston, whatever. Happy to help if I can. No, that's brilliant. And I think it, just as we sort of wrap up, is there a couple of sort of key resources or sort of ideas that you're coming across that really sort of inspire you right now is there some sort of reading or sort of particular i don't want to use thought leaders because again it sort of puts people on a pedestal but are there things that are impact what's impact what's impacting you the most right now yeah i mean i think you know i 
I, I love hanging out in this understanding and, and, and learning about it because it's infinite, you know, and what, what else you can see. But the, so there's, and, and now, you know, when I first got into it, there's very few things written about it, very few things, but um, there's more and more now. And one person I would say, I would recommend anyone checks out because he, he, he's so elegant in how he describes this. And I've just been in some conferences with him now, actually, is a guy called Michael Neal, who I learned a lot of this from. And he's written three beautiful books, um, one called Inside Out Revolution, um, one called The Space Within, and one called Creating the Impossible. Um, and, and they are three books that are um, make this understanding accessible. Now, bear in mind that you're still going to only see what you see in your own words in that, but um, uh, you know that they are they are great. There's another book for which is a more business book, which you know some people like. It's called Invisible Power by two of the guys I know very well, um, Ken Manning and Robin Sharbit, uh, and, and Sandy Crock, actually, two of them. Um, but I, I would say, you know, either anything by Michael Neal, um, Inside Out Revolution, Space Within, Creating the Impossible, um, or Invisible Power as well, depending on, on, on what takes your fancy, the different styles of books. Um, but actually, the more bite-sized version, it, um, Michael also does a podcast called Caffeine for the Soul. Okay. Uh, great name, Caffeine for the Soul. Um, and they're little five, 10-minute bursts of this stuff so for a very practical kind of you know i'm driving to work or whatever i, I would check that podcast out that's brilliant well i'll, I'll add all those things to the show notes and uh, again if there's anything else you think Piers, could be helpful for the listeners please do uh, drop yeah. me an email it'll be great but i think let's let's definitely pick up i think there's a a part two three four and six of, uh, just to follow <laughs> up on. i think we've only just got started to be honest but i do hope other people that are listening um, do reach out to you because I'm, you know, I'm de definitely keen to come on this uh, this journey with you. Sounds Brilliant. really interesting. And uh, let, let's speak again soon, Piers. Okay, thanks, Gary. Cheers. Take care. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye bye. Hello listeners, just Gary Turner again, just wrapping up this really awesome podcast with Piers Thurston from Making Change Work. Just wanted to share a few of my key takeaways, which yeah, have left me a little bit rocked in a really positive way um, this evening. So one of the first things I would say is the way that Piers talks about moving upstream from self-awareness, vulnerability, and these other areas that I personally have believed until now, still believe are important, but in terms of the mindset and how we actually try and tap into that more spiritual aspect of ourselves that we've sort of lost since moving into adulthood. And I think that's really quite an interesting challenge and thought process. I also really enjoyed the, th the quote by Piers, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Now, I'm not religious at all, to be completely uh, honest. I'm very much agnostic. But I have experienced over the last 12 months this tapping into a part of self that I haven't quite been able to explain. And maybe that's exactly what Piers is talking about. He does talk about getting twice as much done in half the time, really makes me think about the work of Scrum and Jeff Sutherland and something that Perry Timms introduced me to some time ago. So clearly this, this way of being is highly productive and allows people to get time back, so that's got to be a good thing. Um, also, I, I like this idea of joining the dots. So Piers is really spending his time helping people be more aware of this upstream example of self you know what are the things that are actually happening and helping them connect the dots between where they were and where they're going and, and i particularly love this this point around being curious around the invisible part of ourselves 
So yeah, it's it's quite quite impactful, quite um, quite deep this chat, but in a really sort of fun, open, uh, and interesting way. I think what's going to be challenging is the well, the direct challenge that Piers has offered to the positive psychology movement. Something that I I'm pretty pretty positive about. You know, I like the work by Sean Aker. I know there's people in my Twitter network that are very positive around uh, positive psychology. Um, but there's a direct challenge to that within this call. So I'm really looking forward to some some ongoing debate and challenge between what Piers' thoughts and work looks like and also those that fully support the positive psychology movement. Uh, and, fun- and finally, the, the work that Piers does is fundamentally simple, but not always easy, to quote him. So I think it probably sums up an awful lot of the good stuff that operates within our lives is that ultimately it never is easy. But however, it is quite often fundamentally simple. And I think it's a really, really cracking comment to finish this particular podcast on. So please do see the show notes and fantastic um, links to some of the work by Michael Neal, someone that I've only just learned about this evening um, from Piers. Um, and in addition, there's also that, that really interesting Caffeine for the Soul uh, five to ten minute burst podcast from the same person. And finally, also do have a look out at, for Joe Candola. I've referenced her in the podcast. She's got a, a, a PhD in gender bias and so on. I think that everyone should be reaching out to uh, with regards to her business to bias, Jim, something that's sorely needed right now in terms of the uh, the race and culture bias and um, sorry, gender bias that we see within uh, work and society at large. So please do feedback. I hope this is interesting and uh, look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.